0: It's
1: so much fun. Hey, unfuckers. Welcome into Show Notes. I know it's been a while. My apologies for the absence and delay. By way of explanation, I think the best thing to do is to open this up with with a valuable lesson. A lesson that 99 learned this week. I enjoy being her mentor. Let's just say that. You know, I've advanced years and uh, seen... Some things and many things in this life And whenever I'm able to impart A level of wisdom to her It makes me feel all squishy inside Uh, So I just wanted to start by saying First of all to you 99 you're welcome
0: Um, Am I supposed to thank you here? Yeah Usually thank you comes first
1: I guess it's like an implied Thank you for the valuable lesson That I taught you
0: Mm -hmm. Right? I have to tell the lesson?
1: You don't know what it is?
0: I know what it is. I what just is it? don't believe it's a it's a valuable lesson.
1: Well, what do you think it is?
0: Um, I think it's a character flaw.
1: <laughs> I don't I don't follow.
0: If I mean I'm presuming we're speaking of the same thing.
1: Oh, you go first then. No,
0: you go first. You started it.
1: Well, the lesson, which to me seemed really obvious
0: mm-hmm.
1: was that 99 learned that when a man gets sick, it's Orders of magnitude worse than when a woman gets sick.
0: That part I know. Do you? Yes.
1: Because you texted me at one point and you said, "Are we in a fight?"
0: Yeah, because you were back at work already. Barely. I mean, barely functioning. Here's the thing on fuckers. I didn't even know he was sick. He just stopped talking to me for like four days. That's right. So what am I supposed to think about it?
1: Assume I'm a either dead or sick.
0: Well. I check in when I'm ill so you know I'm alive.
1: That's a that's a very female thing to do.
0: I don't think we should make it so binary, but
1: I think it's binary. I think this is one of those examples that that is just extremely binary and and
0: I think it should be a learning lesson.
1: It was for you. No, for you. For me. Mhm. I know you're somewhat incredulous about this whole thing, but let me mansplain to you how this works. Mm-hmm. When a man gets sick, everything stops. The whole world just stops rotating the fact that you couldn't feel that shift tells me that maybe we have a ways to go in our relationship Mm. it was the worst illness ever on fuckers i mean ever nobody's ever been as sick as i was ever yeah Mm -hmm.
0: try having one every month for your whole life what does that mean? What do you think it means?
1: I take, you know, usually take better care of myself. I don't. I can't see myself ever getting sick on a monthly basis, like oh, yeah. in a repeating pattern. Yeah, like, that like doesn't even every make any sense.
0: Twenty-eight days or something like that.
1: That's craziness. Nobody goes through that. <laughs> it's just it's, it's absurd that you would even bring it up. Yeah. So I am uh, a sissy when it comes to being ill. I am. I am awful. I am terrible at it. And uh, my world stopped. I got the flu. It was not COVID. And uh, it just laid me on my ass. And I crawled up into the fetal position for several days. And uh, and that was that. I guess what was really frustrating for me is that everyone else seemed to just kinda move on. You know?
0: I don't know. Did you cry?
1: I mean, I, I'm sure some of the tears on my pillow were, were from either the deep sadness that you, you simply didn't care, or uh, from the sheer pain.
0: Yeah, that's what I meant, from the pain. From the pain, yeah, Cause I'll probably. I'll just get like all sad and then I'm just like, <laughs> I'll never be well again. I
1: might have wept a little. It's
0: it's awful and you just want someone to rub your head. That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyway. So, anything big happening in the world? What's going on, 99?
0: I don't know. No, Nothing's worth it.
1: <laughs> nothing's worth it? No. No. Oh.
0: Everything's bad. People dressing like Nazis walking into restaurants.
1: That's okay now?
0: Well, he got kicked out. Who? Some man just walked into a restaurant in the city.
1: For Halloween?
0: Quote, unquote, for it's a costume. But it's like, that's not a costume, my no,
1: friend. No, never okay.
0: Yeah, so life is meaningless. And okay, that's been show notes.
1: Oh, all right. Well, we'll catch you next time on Fuckers.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Elon bought Twitter.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. I thought he...
0: Let that sink in.
1: I thought that wasn't going to happen.
0: I know, I'm... I, obviously, this is old news by the time this is coming up, but we still have to talk about it and process. new for us. Yeah. I saw someone tweet, like, it's almost low-key impressive because he pulled, Twitter pulled off a fucking grift because Twitter's like, yeah, take our fucking shitty platform that is non, it's like unmonetizable except for ads, and sure, you do something with it. And people were saying, you know, now that now that ad sponsors or companies that buy ads on Twitter are going to drop off, it's like... The people are the product. The people are not the revenue stream. The ads are.
1: But this is just the digital constitution that makes way for free speech. Why would anybody ever drop yeah, off the platform? You
0: know, the N-word has risen in usage on the platform like 500%. Nonsensical? Like... Yes.
1: Nefarious? poop.
0: Yes, that one.
1: All of those? All three. They're all okay now? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. So I know my thoughts. I know some people are like don't let him take this from me but I'm like well just like we were allowed to have our thoughts he's also allowed to own it and do what he wants with it so it's like you're not really fighting back against anything by just like staying there and staying the course it's what he wants he'll keep shoving ads in front of your face until their ads were like fucking rifles or something Mm -hmm. and so I personally would like to pause I'm not saying necessarily take down our account but like I want to wait it out for a little bit. Okay. But then you broke it and you tweeted, and I was like... Oh, I was sick. You tweeted last night. I was over it. Well, that's not I was how excited. boycotts work.
1: You're right. So, okay, well, I didn't know we were boycotting.
0: What? We hadn't talked about it yet.
1: Okay, so now we're boycotting. I think so. Okay, we're, I don't take my tweet a, back, though.
0: It's a soft boycott where I'm like, let's wait. And fuckers, if they still want to stay there and also figure it out, you know, they can tweet at us, but I don't think we... I think, honestly, I was thinking of putting up a tweet and, like, pinning it and being like, hey, we're taking a break here to see what unfolds. Because if it gets real bad, this isn't our space anymore. Right. And maybe linking out to the Facebook group. I mean, it's like one fucking garbage dump to another.
1: I was um, going to say, are, so does this mean Mark Zuckerberg wins?
0: I kind of. It, at the, We it, like him again? I mean, we don't like him, <laughs> but uh, I think maybe it is time for Discord. Because I've had some emails from people as well who don't use Facebook. And this is a way where, like, you know, it's not – profile's not public. You can have a username. You can be anonymous. I mean, we don't want people trolling, obviously, like, but it might be the, the option.
1: Yeah,
0: We're back – just a backup op- option. Backup option.
1: So so we talked a little bit in, in an episode recently about the, the idea of a public square. And we talked about the, the constitution and – foundational elements when I think we were going through the FCC episode and how a lot of what was conceived and contrived when it came to at least the First Amendment was when the public square was as far as your voice would carry. And, you know, it's impossible that any of these things would have been considered or contemplated, I mean, except for the printing press, but even that had physical distribution limits and, and monetary limits and all of that. And they were looking to protect their own speech within that, that realm. But along the way some pretty hard and fast rules have developed about hate speech for one and hate speech is not constitutionally protected i mean that's been that's been shot down before you cannot just or you can't scream fire in a crowded theater and all those type of like carve outs and it's a really anxious argument or discussion to have about where these new platforms that are Ostensibly, the new public square, where they begin and end with respect to individual rights, property rights, because it is a property, it's a company, it's not a speech platform necessarily, it's not a broadcast outlet. It doesn't have any of the same guidelines or principles that a traditional broadcast outlet had. That would have limited spectrum, even though it rides on the spectrum that was created by the government. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. There's so much more nuance to the discussion than than what we're seeing out there, which is shameful. And now you have maybe, arguably, the biggest clown in the country in control of it all, appealing to far right activists for what they call free speech, which is essentially just hate speech, and then even far left advocates saying all speech should be free anyway, so let them have at it, fuck it.
0: He he already spread a, the Pelosi conspiracy theory that right. He wasn't, it wasn't someone random that he had a gay lover and was attacked. Like, I'm like, can we just let this old man fucking have brain surgery in peace and not say there's nothing wrong with being gay, but that changes the entire narrative of what happened to him? But,
1: which they tried to do very quickly. mm
0: -hmm. And they tried to clear. Pretty
1: successful at, at least on the right. They
0: were like, this is a both sides thing and blah, blah, blah. And like, they showed, people were showing the coverage of when. What was it outside of something for the softball game recently? Someone was there was something that happened
1: years ago, years ago, the softball game where they actually shot a few congressmen. Okay, then that. Yeah. yeah,
0: Sorry. Sorry. I said recently. And then that was above the fold. And the Pelosi story was like inside just a strip on the right. I don't have the terminology, below the fold on the
1: inside, Mm, mm -hmm.
0: below the fold of the inside paper. (laughs) It was just folded away.
1: It's so interesting. I mean, if we go back to one of my favorite time periods is the beginning of the 20th century when you had- When you were born. (laughs) The big newspaper battles. And it was, at that time, it was really Hearst versus Pulitzer.
0: I just watched Newsies. You did? Yeah.
1: Oh, so fun. Yeah. Why?
0: Uh, I don't know.
1: It was on? No. Or you you sought it?
0: Uh, I was visiting my parents and me and my mom, you know, it's like, you know, you don't want to watch something new. Mm-hmm. Well, which that's me all the time. I always want to, I never want to watch anything new. I just want to watch my comfort movies. She was like, fine, but let's watch something we haven't seen in a while. And she loves Newsies, but hasn't seen it in a long time. I don't think I actually had seen it the whole way through. So, fun.
1: It's weird seeing a little Christian Bale, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and he the way he talks. Yeah, and he can't sing or really no. dance. Yeah, no. none of them can really dance. <laughs> I said to my mom, I was like, "This is choreographed. Like actual newsies did the dances. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like
0: there was a lot of like weird thrusting." But
1: isn't Peelip or Duval? Yes. Yeah, that's he's weird. very
0: scary. They also like, I'm sure he was a bad person.
1: He was a mean motherfucker. But the
0: personification of him was so bizarre. Like at one point when all of the, the newsies and like all the sweatshop kids are outside protesting, he's like having a, a tantrum, but in a way of like like a sensory tantrum where he's like, get this, you know, blasted infernal noise. And like mm-hmm. he's like almost crying because there's so much yelling. And I was like, I think this man's having like a panic attack. Well, he,
1: was a, he was somewhat deranged. He was he was brilliant. And he was that you couldn't outwork him. And he just hustled and hustled and built an empire. It was pretty crazy.
0: Perhaps, I mean, perhaps it's accurate, but they didn't do enough groundwork to explain <laughs> why he would behave like that. And I was like, Is who wrote this? Is this okay? They don't.
1: They don't portray Hurst in there, do they?
0: Very briefly, they're at like a yeah. meeting of the the big guys talking mm-hmm. about how to squash the story.
1: But you know, so these were the Zuckerbergs and and the Musks of the day. And they really controlled the public square and the narrative. I mean, they got us into the war. They, they manufactured a war between them. I mean, it was, it was pretty nuts, but they did a lot more than that, you know? So yes, on one side of the labor movement or the other. So to me, there's so many echoes from history that we can look back to and learn from. And, And one of the ideas here is that if you are counting on billionaires in control of platforms, to be the arbiters of free speech, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
0: There was a monologue in it from Pulitzer that, or Pulitzer, whatever you say in your bougie accent. I, I'll i have to pull it because it was like so prescient and scary. It could have been like ripped out of Trump's mouth.
1: Hmm. Yeah. We should play it at the end of this.
0: I'll, I might just stick it in right here. Okay. People think that the wars are about right and wrong and not about power. Power of the press. There's the greatest power of them all. I tell the city how to think. I tell the city how to vote. I shape its future. And scene. Can we also briefly speak about how no one cares that the whole world is anti-Semitic, as I previously alluded to? Yeah, sure. And no one's talking about it, and no one cares, and it's really depressing and sad? Go for it. That's, That's all I have to say, really. Oh, okay. I mean, I have more, but it's like... The only people who I see being, I mean, not that you should have to publicly denounce Nazis, but like I stand with my Jewish friends, like it's only celebrities I see doing it probably because they, you know, they're like they have to for their image because people will come for them, which is a problem in and of itself in a way. But like no one's fucking talking about it. We're just so desensitized to it. Mm -hmm. And it's very exhausting to wake up every day and be like, What's going to happen today? Who's going to do what? I mean...
1: well, so much of that that, to me, I think people kind of missed the boat because they were just saying, oh, that's Kanye being Kanye. But it was really a lot bigger than that when the outcry wasn't more public.
0: Yeah, I mean, even, like, has... I obviously don't watch Tucker, but, like, does he veer into anti-Semitism like that often? Like, he just... He let Kanye go off on, you know, say what he wants. I feel like... No, right?
1: So that's really interesting. So if we go back and we look at, if we look at some of the coded language about Jews being, let's say, in control of the media. Oh yeah, miserly uh, in the financial system and all those kind of things, there, there probably a lot of coded language held within some of the uh, some of the coverage on Fox where the, where the line gets blurred, and gets gray and where they can jump to any defense even of coded language is their hardline stance with Israel. And that's one of the biggest things that's changed over the past couple of decades. Is And, and it's also one of the reasons that progressives right now in this election cycle aren't performing as well in the polls at least, and we'll see what happens on election day. Uh, because of the just enormous sum of money that APAC is pouring into very specifically progressive races, where there are progressive surging, you see APAC coming in with a very different strategy than they've come with in the past, because they know that people in the Midwest, like Summer Lee was victim to this in the primary, and she's still victim to this in the the general, where they come and they try to paint the progressive as just being anti-democratic or soft on crime and all of those things. And a lot of the prevailing messaging that's out there, but they're targeting them deliberately because their fear is that They'll join the squad and have a pro-human rights agenda for the people of Palestine. And so you've got that kind of coloring all of the media coverage because it's like everybody has to offer their grand disclaimer when they talk about anti-Semitism. I can't be anti-Semitic. I stand with Israel. And it's created this bizarre confluence of support in really strange areas, which should actually make it more obvious To denounce somebody like Kanye West, who's just being purely Mm anti-Semitic. And for for some reason, like, we can no longer even see these hues of anti-Semitism and racism clearly because there are so many different bizarre stances in the world that, like, nobody knows where your neighbor is at or where, you know, the person next to you is at. It's very complicated.
0: Yeah. I didn't... I followed this account. I don't don't even remember their name, but it was like some Instagram account that would post, like, not memes, but like, you know, the informational little carousels and like good resources and stuff. And I found it interesting. And then they had posted one and we're talking about people in like the current media who are anti-Semitic and AOC was on the list. And I was like, what did AOC do? And I looked it up and I'm like, okay, she's neither pro-Palestine or Israel. I think she shares a common stance of like, hey, like, let these people be these people and let us be us and whatever. Mm -hmm. And so... I had this conversation with a friend, and he didn't have much information. But I was trying to like suss out my thoughts about. So I feel like we the word Zionist. I feel like we hear in all these weird like conspiratorial. Mm-hmm. But then here's this account that is like identifying as Zionist, and I'm like, what is this mm-hmm. this word that has this weight in in all these different? And I'm speaking. This is me like. Truly pontificating, because I don't know. I, I don't understand all the nuances of it.
1: But also as a, as a casual observant Jew and a cultural Jew and an ethnic Jew, I mean, you have standing in this discussion to ask these questions in a different way.
0: Yeah, I you know, I just want, I, you know, I'm not like an expert is what I'm trying to say. But yeah, I don't understand how a word that's weaponized is also a word that's an identity Mm-hmm. For these for like this group of this this account on social, I mean it's just one account, but yeah. they have a lot of followers. So I was trying to figure that out and I was like, I'm pretty sure I don't align with them. So I will unfollow based on what more I'm reading and like you know, because they're like staunchly pro Israel and it's mm-hmm. like pro Israel and nothing else. And I'm like, I just that's You can be a
1: pro Israel Zionist who is against the conservative strain of the Israeli government. It can it can be that simple as a statement. Mm. But even below that surface, there's a lot because there's always the ongoing threat of of who they are, where they are in the world. You know, what's so interesting to me is how Israel's kind of moved on from all of that. I mean, it's a tremendous amount of funding coming from organizations to make sure that Americans feel a particular way. But you know, Israel's created their own relationships with Arab countries and with other Muslim, uh, prim- predominantly Muslim countries for economic purposes, for research purposes, education purposes, for trade purposes, all these, like they're so much further along in their worldview. And you can be a progressive Israeli who believes in the rights and the human rights of the Palestinian people for both territorial, self-governance, self-determination, all of that, and be a Zionist in that you believe that the Israelites deserve and have a, a right and a title to a homeland in that specific part of the world
0: yeah that makes sense
1: it does and in in here but we have here we are uh sam cedar what did he say the other day he declared uh ben shapiro the pope of the jews mm-hmm. um, because ben you know has really been able to sit in the position of prominence as a jewish media figure who's orthodox And he can, whatever claim he makes. He's orthodox? uh, No, he's uh, conservative. Okay. not orthodox, excuse me. So he's a conservative Jew. Show me your pass. Who can make make certain claims because he's extremely well-read in in the Torah and he's extremely well-versed in Israeli history, and he can make all of these claims with a level of authenticity that a lot of others can't. At the same time.
0: Quote-unquote authenticity. Authenticity,
1: right. At the same time, all it is is just steeped in this very anti-palestinian rhetoric or anti-arabic rhetoric but it's one of the most fascinating discussions you can have if you can take your sentiments and emotions out of it and you can just you you can look at it from a, a pure struggle a standpoint of human struggle it's a fascinating argument to have
0: yeah discussion rather and for for me it's like i have no personal ties to israel maybe that's a controversial statement as a jew but i'm like I'm not Israeli. I've never been to Israel. I'm none of my people are Israeli, my people being my family, my ancestors. So, like, it is as removed as like maybe the Vatican is for some people. Sure. Yeah. So, I'm like, that this was another thing that was super bothersome to me is like when any, you know, if it was a business, you know, the handful that did post stuff or a celebrity, people flooding the comments with hashtag free Palestine. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> like, why, why is it okay? For, for you to say that on a post that's completely removed, like being against anti-Semitism doesn't make you pro-Israel. It just means you're against anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, that's why is that? I feel, you know, it's so frustrating because I think it is just, like I said, so absorbed into daily life. Like I can go anywhere right now and probably see a swastika graffiti. And that's just what it is. You know what I mean? Like, that, it's just around, and mm-hmm. it's just life. Mm-hmm. It's been my life. I remember in middle school, people would draw swastikas because it was funny, or, like, maybe it was a threat. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, all throughout my life, it's just been a facet. Okay, anti-Semitism is here. I mean, now it's, like, literally you turn on the news every day and there's a fucking actual Nazi on. But it's frustrating because because it's so absorbed. It is just truly ignored when it comes like this, and I always feel like... There's the entire philosophical or sociological discussion about Jewish people being white. And that's, I mean, I think at this point it's up to how you identify or Mm -hmm. present. That's their, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I'm white. So I feel like it's because because at least a good portion of Jews are white that it doesn't, it's not, like, taken as seriously. Mm -hmm. But, and then I feel weird because I'm like, I don't want to, and this is me being just, like, stream of consciousness, like, I don't want to be, like, taking away from the plight of, like, POC people who have also been dealing with this for years, and it's like, well, you're I have so much more privilege because of my my whiteness, that it's like, I feel weird almost, and I think that's probably why it's like this, because it's like, well, this is happening against white people, mostly white people. They're fine, you know? Mm. They're fine. We got it. Which is true. I mean, like, aside from an actual hate crime being carried out against me or someone I love, or, like if you fired me for being jewish i'll be i'll be fine other than like emotional damage but like it's not the same as people trying to actually take away my rights as a jewish person the same way that like they don't want you know people of color to vote because they don't want things to change whatever mm-hmm. so it's just such a weird like frustration or like i'm not hanging my hat on this time and this movement against jewish people but it's like this just like pervasive thing that's creeping of like it's still happening it's been happening, you know, people don't know what the Holocaust is, people don't mm-hmm. believe that the Holocaust mm-hmm. happened, and, like, it just keeps, it keeps creeping up and creeping up, and now it is literally, like, your political affiliation can be Nazi, basically, at this mm-hmm. point, and we're just, like, cool, that's great. Yeah. So, it's just been, like, very, when I get too in the weeds, or, you know, there was, when I read just every day it's something, the man walking into the k- cafe just fucking dressed as a Nazi, like... Were you just playing Rolf in Sound of Music? Did you forget to change? Like, no. You're
1: hitting on so many important, messy parts of intersectionality today that make these discussions really important, but also very difficult. And hitting upon presenting white as a Jewish person, even though being Jewish does not necessarily equal white. Now, in this country, predominantly it does, unless you're going to talk about maybe... I mean, we live in a part of the world that has a tremendous Persian population, right? So you're talking about a different Sephardic, you know, presentation that is neither here nor there and got swept up in Islamophobia of Mm -hmm. all things during, you know, post 9-11, which was was bananas. And other parts of the country that don't have access on on a day-to-day basis to, you know, People wearing headscarves or people just looking differently or speaking a different language or different signs and all these kind of things that are so normalized to us are so other in most parts of this country still, which is something I always try to remember when I'm I'm thinking about this. And it's not to let anybody off the hook for not having the curiosity to have deeper, better discussions about this stuff. It's just a it's just a point of realization that you know more of what you can see all the time or what you're exposed to or what you choose to be exposed to and so many people in this country still don't have that opportunity which is which is part of the equation but like you're talking about the fracture of the so-called grand alliance that we spoke about between you know black people and jewish people specifically in the civil rights era and the grand fracture that happened after that i remember you know, reading a lot of James Baldwin and seeing a lot of his interviews and him talking about his antipathy towards the Jewish movement in this country as a whole, painting it with one wide brush, because he was saying, your movement has moved beyond ours. You've pulled away from it because you're white presenting in this country. So now I don't see you as a Jew. I see you as a white person in this country. And ergo, you are an impediment to my access into the, into the world. Economic access." legal access justice access and all those kind of things and through that lens you can see how other presenting people in this country have also created their own hierarchy based upon how they view the world and so it gets it gets even deeper and even messier and missing in all of this stuff is historical context and humanism just just basic humanism to understand that you can be pro-israel and believe that because of the historic persecution of the Jewish people throughout history, that there can and should be a right to a homeland for people to gather based upon their very distinct cultural, ethnic, and religious identity as Jews. There's no other group in the world that has that, none. And so because of that, there's great persecution, and if they want self-determination based upon that, for no other reason that you know they've faced annihilation for for centuries and centuries then you can be in favor of that but then also be against them accumulating enough power and support to suppress and oppress another people who have just as much right and title to self-determination and what have you but we digress back to your original point anti-semitism being normalized is never ever okay because if you are a student of the holocaust or you're a student of history at all you recognize that that normalization does lead to action and that type of action can be can quickly move into a groundswell of mob rule and color people's perception because all it would take is some event where a group of jews in the united states let's say trying to defend themselves against anti-semitism acted out in a way that was contrary to the established norms on the right where all of a sudden they would instantly be vilified once again you could see why APAC pours money into building on the rights kind of support because the last thing that they can afford to do is lose the support of the conservative christian evangelical that has so much sway over our politics today it couldn't be messier or more fascinating if you step back from it. But when you have a stake in it like you do as a, you know, as a cultural and ethnic Jew walking through the world, like it's, it's a very, it's a very emotional thing. Yeah. And scary.
0: And like the Tree of Life shooting was five years ago. Right. A couple days ago and it barely, who talked about it?
1: Not many people. Not that I saw.
0: And it's, it's always bugged me. That every time mass shootings are listed, it's never included. And I, mm. not that we should have a laundry list of mass shootings to begin right. with, but I'm like, so when people get killed in a church, it's it's headline news, mm-hmm. but they get killed in a synagogue and it's like, well, that's their problem. It's just so fucked up, man. Like, I, I also saw someone say, and I didn't fact check this, but he said Kanye has 18 million or had, I don't know if his account suspended or whatever. Can't keep track. Um, eighteen million followers on Instagram and there are 15.9 million Jews in the world. Mm. It's like, okay. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, I saw someone on LinkedIn in my, you know, professional space saying, like, hey, you know, your Jewish employees like might need some time or like just given space or just be cognizant, just like we are during every, you know, everything else, like during the Black Lives Matter. I mean, the summers of Black Lives Matter should still be continuing. But when everyone hopped on the, the quote unquote bandwagon mm-hmm. and I I texted my friend our coworker, and I was like, I just saw this and I was like, oh, yeah, we should say something. And then I went, oh, I'm the only Jew here. Mm. And he was like, we should say something. And I said, I'm not I don't want to advocate literally for myself. So I should tell all of my coworkers, hey, it's okay to be sad right now because Mm -hmm. Jewish people are getting hurt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like.
1: Well, the danger that it's not a danger, but the unfortunate danger there is that it gets swept up into this concept of wokeism, you know, and that people look at it and be like, you know, uh, you know, cry me more liberal tears about, you know, just kind of suck it up. Everybody knows it's Kanye being Kanye and it's not, you know, that type of hurt. But again, it's it's muddy now. It's muddy now because the conservative evangelical strain has cover. I mean, Tucker talks about it all the time about you know, I can't be anti Semitic. I can't, you know, have that threat in me because I'm staunchly pro Israel. And and so they have that, and it's weird. It's weird. It's it that's the most unholy alliance that there is. But
0: I mean, it just belies any common narrative, like you can be X minority and still be racist against X minority. Like, if you have internalized hatred for your own kind, you can be racist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's just that's just how life works. Right. If you are raised in a way, if you're taught certain things, and it's not even his own kind. So, right? He's not Jewish.
1: No God. <laughs> I, no. Was,
0: I second-guessed myself because no. you were just looking at me. No. Um, but, yeah, I know I'm belaboring, but, yeah, it's just been on my mind a lot, and... You know, I know we have some some Jewish listeners out there who've reached out to me like over the over the the, the years we've literal years now that we've been doing this. Okay. So sending love to you, um, and you know what? Fucking sucks. <laughs> it fucking sucks, man.
1: You're seen and heard, and it does fucking suck.
0: Yeah, without a doubt.
1: On not maybe equally bad news, but uh, on a similar vein, <laughs> Republicans are surging in the polls as we head into the midterms. I once again. Out of the prognostication business, uh, 2016 really did me in. I, I think I had a pretty poor record going into it. But on the ground, it does kind of feel, and got, I'm looking at it from the New Yorker perspective signs don't vote, but the people who put them there do. I don't know. I just, I feel unease in my bones about what's about to happen. And it's interesting because so many of the fundamentals, that one would look at pretend maybe a better than normal showing for a midterm turnout for Democrats at least so or for incumbency it does Democrat Republican whatever for an incumbent still remarkably low unemployment still a growing economy slowing but growing back to where it was basically throughout Obama's entire tenure or even many years before that you have you know the, the the wealthy haven't seen their taxes increase yet, so they're all good. In fact, they're just getting wealthier. We are not in any engaged armed conflict abroad, at all. We've done so many different things to reduce the influence of the military-industrial complex, even though they're still getting the funding, and that's a different discussion. Student debt relief was massive. Of course, the Republicans. Tried to kill that at the last minute, but it, I'm sure I'm sure that will prevail, and that the courts will ultimately see that they have no standing in that argument because there have been similar actions in the past, and it's a, you know it's a federal program they can just do it with the stroke of a pen, which everybody knew. I don't know. There's a lot to like on the fundamentals coming into a midterm, and yet they are winning the culture battle with a crime message crime is up from where it was but no higher than it was basically for since it started to decline in the 90s violent crime a little bit up mostly in urban areas where you have to wonder is that the police continuing their sort of look the other way mantra because they were so upset with how they were treated coming out of the black lives matter summer Uh, Or is that just, uh, you know, people have suddenly begun to increase their criminality for literally no reason? I mean.
0: Well, if you're watching any campaign commercials, that's the case.
1: That's right. We're just we're just making more criminals because we've let them all out because they know that there's no cash bail. Mm -hmm. right? Even though I I forget where I just saw this, but the statistics uh, again, actually, it might have been I watched a lot of majority report the last few weeks. Uh, So it might have been them going through the statistics of crime, violent crime is up around the country and petty crime and theft and all those kind of things are up throughout the country, predominantly in red states. It's mostly a red state phenomenon, but they they're winning the messaging battle. So they're winning that. Democrats also have Roe v. Wade on their side, you know, to create a tremendous groundswell of support. And they can't capitalize on it for some reason. It's just—it's a very weird time where it just reminds you how fucking bad the Democrats are at this, at this piece. It just—they just campaign so fucking poorly. And there's not—not not that you know—I'm engaged in hero worship in any way, but you know, having some charismatic leaders front and center that can kind of carry the ball and just appear normal and speak the truth and and lay some facts out in in each of these areas backed by you know really good positive campaigns can go a long way but they, they can't seem to find their footing with this stuff or they're working on bad uh, you know old polling information that says that roe v wade's going to carry the day but every week that goes on those 538 polls they close and they close a lot of the races that felt pretty confident about the polls are either neck and neck or they've or they flipped entirely so next week we'll see, or in two weeks, right, a week and a half or so, we'll see whether yeah. it held, whether the polls were incorrect. You know, how much of this is, I guess, well, a, a version of the Bradley effect where people say one thing to the pollsters and then still go and do their thing when they get to the poll, when they get to the actual, you know, election itself. How, has early voting helped expand the base enough where the majority can have their voices heard? Yeah. Or are they going to stay home?
0: Yeah, I just looked at the, the Zeldin Hochul. She's ahead right now.
1: In which poll?
0: The 538. thirty-eight. Five mm-hmm. By
1: 6.8%. 6. 6.8. I think at one one poll that I saw, he had brought it within four, which was technically statistical margin of error, right? Yeah. Interesting stuff that, I mean, he's a congressman from the far out on Long Island. I think he's actually district number one in New York and is a election denier. So he's a supporter of the big lie, anti-abortion. I mean, you name it, just it go right down the line. He was one of Trump's strongest, most vocal supporters throughout his tenure and beyond and supporting the big lie and everything terrible that you can imagine about the alt-right. And this dude's in New York and he's running... Statistically, neck and neck with the, with the sitting governor of New York, whom you know I do not like. I mean, you talk about a, you talk about a Sophie's Choice, man. I do think that she—it's uh, more
0: than Sophie's Choice. It, yeah, it's it's lesser of two evils.
1: It's a lesser of two evils, without a doubt. And she she just sucks so hard. I just I fucking hate her so much, especially with what she did up in Seneca. I think that I th- honestly I think this election may come down to what Western New York feels about her. Because that's where she's from.
0: I think they like her.
1: If they do, that should be enough. New York will come through and do what New York does. But I mean, he's going to murder her in the suburbs. I mean, murder her. So you can look at Long Island, maybe outer parts of the boroughs, Westchester County, Putnam County, Dutchess County. I mean, he is going to fucking run the table.
0: Yeah. I similarly, what we talked about like during the 2020 election. How like you, you know, we saw plenty of Trump stickers, but no Biden. Seen plenty of Zeldin signs everywhere, and I'm talking, yeah, I'm talking in, you know, Manhattan. I'm talking Queens. I'm talking Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and I was upstate, and so mm-hmm. I drove, you know, pretty far up there, like near, nigh, close to Canada, mm-hmm. and I honestly, as far as
1: the the eye could see, basically, right? yeah,
0: I maybe I'm not looking for the Hokels. these Zeldin signs are white so they probably stand out more especially like at night and stuff i'm sure that was i think
1: your biden analogy is a good one though because it's like yeah i'm gonna vote for the guy but i'm not putting a fucking sign on my lawn for this guy because I just i'm not that enthusiastic about it
0: my mom texted me and was like our neighbor we have a new neighbor and he put a Zeldin sign out and i was like that motherfucker they're everywhere you know they're it's infiltrating (laughs) my home yep but um i don't know i feel like we're being really downer is there anything, so we have what we're going to talk about before we go into notes, but is there anything else? Is there anything you're feeling hopeful about? Any races, any people, any racists?
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I think the racists are going to have a good showing. <laughs> Very hopeful for the racists. Um, well, it's not here, but it was in Brazil. Does that count? Well,
0: that's what it's I was in saying, the Americas, that was the last right? thing I was going to talk about. Before,
1: all right, so before like we get America. to LULA. Uh, in Oh, so in this America. Um i'm not as optimistic about fetterman i saw some numbers today
0: Um, that he was ahead
1: but um boy i'm crossing my fingers uh i don't (sighs) even though we're gonna talk more about barnes i don't know i don't know if wisconsin's gonna do it for us
0: i saw something about the youngest they're having the biggest turnout of young voters but that, that doesn't mean anything it didn't specify
1: yeah I mean, if I, again, the benefit of of time and hindsight, if I had a nickel for every time I heard that the youth vote was going to, you know, turn it, you know, I'd I'd be, I'd have at least 35 cents in my pocket. I don't know. I, I just, I never buy into the youth argument. It's really the people that turn out are the seniors and what's on their minds, man. I don't know. I really don't fucking know.
0: And I know plenty of fucking moderate young people, unfortunately. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Especially absolutely.
0: these these here parts sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, well, no. We need to find something happy, like mildly happy. Because this we can't do this, you know, 45 minutes of bad news. That's not cool. Okay, we'll go on the Today Show's good news section. Oh my God. Bike buses catch on is a cool way to commute to school. What are they? Bunch of kids biking together. Mm-hmm. Pregnant firefighter rescues women trapped in cart then gives birth. Wow. Hero couple saves babies from burning building while on their honeymoon in Spain. Pretty cool. So all of these, <laughs> they're from 18 and 19 days ago. There hasn't been any good news in 18 all or 19 right. days. No.
1: There's always some happy horseshit human interest stories of out course. there. Well, I guess that's the weird thing is that there's a lot to be kind of psyched about, but we're still locked in a battle. We're, we're, we're still we're never going to stop fighting this war for for justice and greater equality. It just feels like at this moment the, the, the nerves and the tension are just really super high. I can't say that I'm feeling really good about anything happening in corporate America. <laughs> we do have some, uh, I think bookstore Kim sent in a comment that was uh, kind of uh, a hopeful statement about conscious capitalism. Uh, which we, you know, we've done a full episode on it, so that's definitely something that I want to look into.
0: And I know there's some climate stuff coming up with COP27 is nigh, but, and I know it can be true, kind of depressing, but there's a podcast we often mentioned before called Outrage and Optimism, and they take, as the name says, the optimistic view on climate, and these are actual experts, people who make policies, who have been in this for years, like many, many years and decades, so... I trust what they have to say. So
1: if we are not derailed from our agenda, we are in the middle of or at the beginning stages of the largest investment into climate resilience initiatives ever, ever undertaken before all because of the stroke of Biden's pen. Great. It wasn't everything we looked for, but it boy, it got up, it got a lot of stuff underway. Times of course, just came out with a, a rather big piece talking about how, pledges versus action that's different so we're falling short on a lot of the action items related to the pledges that you know multiple countries in the world have made and we're not alone in the world anymore imagine that so you know aliens yeah okay yeah well, I mean, the Pentagon already said, yeah, no, there's UFOs.
0: Well, yeah, we know That's that. how
1: fucked up everything is, that nobody freaked out when the Pentagon was like, yeah, are Well, because no, UFO
0: doesn't... That's the funny thing, is that people think UFO means alien, but it doesn't mean anything. It literally means unidentifiable... Like, it's unidentifiable flying object. So it's like, you know, I mean, they say it was a weather balloon. It's never a weather balloon. It's the government. <laughs> they might have alien <laughs> tech. I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. Um. Here's some great news. Okay. Taylor Swift is currently occupying all top 10 spots on the billboard hot 100 i don't think it's ever been done by a woman i don't think it's ever been done by anybody
1: that's unbelievable
0: mm-hmm.
1: i'm happy for you
0: thank you i helped
1: i bet you did
0: <laughs> i was in the top one percent of listens when it came out i don't think i've ever divulged how much i love taylor on the podcast it's um, been a, a yeah, hidden maybe secret not. i love taylor swift um i know she's done some things that have bothered me personally so i don't i try not to hero worship sometimes it's hard because she is so brilliant and i love her unabashedly not a guilty pleasure just a true pleasure and her new album is a delight and the end i'm proud of her it's a I,
1: wonderful songwriter
0: she is she a really musician
1: is. yeah she's, is she a good musician would you do you yeah, would you she plays guitar, her as a, like a solid solid musician i mean musician? she's
0: not jerry garcia on the guitar but okay. she for the type of music i never
1: and, thought about it actually because I, I see her as a songwriter first she and foremost. writes
0: all of her music like she'll usually she either writes it on piano or guitar and so like she comes up with i mean obviously she's working with like, her producers and
1: but is she a plucker or is she a gamer like can she really get after it have you ever heard her or seen her like really go nuts
0: uh, her songs don't really allow for that you know no, they're not like not. jams in that way yeah. I th- I mean, I think she can. I just don't think she does. Mm. It's just not her style. But if she was a- going to go out there with a the guitar and jam, like I think she could hold her own enough. Yeah. I don't know that she could literally jam with jam bands, but I would love to see it. That'd yeah, be neat. Yeah. So neat. listen to Antihero.
1: Remember when Justin Vernon saved her career?
0: In Antihero, she has this Line over that. Where she says I say that to
1: her all the time and she just now she just ignores me.
0: She says
1: You see that on fuckers? Did you hear my covert
0: narcissism? I might disguise as altruism like some kind of congressman. And then she puts a button on in the video that says vote for me for everything. Isn't that smart? It's so smart. I bought one. You did? Yeah, she's selling them. That's the song that's like, It's me. Hi, I'm the problem, it's me. Have you heard that one yet? I haven't.
1: I haven't heard a single song.
0: Oh my God, she also has one that goes, "Karma is my boyfriend. Karma is a god. Karma is the breeze in my hair on the weekend. Karma's a relaxing thought. Aren't you envious that for you it's not? Well, let me guess. She's talking like, about honey, a, a boyfriend. Karma is a cat. No. An
1: ex-boyfriend again.
0: No, it's about karma.
1: Karma coming to attack her ex-boyfriends? No,
0: like, I think it's about Scooter Braun, the guy who bought her albums out under her and didn't give her a chance. He was, like, her manager for a long time. Oh. So.
1: Is he he fucked?
0: Yeah, he sucks ass.
1: I know. Okay, he sucks ass, but is he fucked for some reason? Like, did he? Or he just lost out on, like...
0: No, he screwed her over.
1: I know, but what was the karma karmic event.
0: Oh, well, she's re-recording all of her music. She still owns the original songwriting, like, whatever the license is. So he's barely, he's making money off of her streams and people buying her old records, but it's like, mm. no one's buying them anymore because they're hers. She's getting the last laugh. She's also licensing the new versions of the songs more, so there's some sort of weird legalese where it's actually super fascinating. If you're into, like, any type of entertainment law or just, like, nerdy entertainment stuff to read all about how she's manipulating the system manipulation you know is has the negative connotation but well let's say how she's gaming the system to be like fine you can have my fucking masters i'm gonna redo it all because i still own them in it's just there's so many different publishing rights yeah but there's also like the way with this the way the streaming works the way the licensing to shows works and movies it's like really fascinating i don't i can't retain it all because it's like above my head but it's really interesting to read about but yeah he sucks and she has a line in there that says something about, like, my pennies made your crown. And I'm like, I know that's about him because you know the streams are worth, like, point oh 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 one percent or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, fuck you. But it's a really good song. All right. Yeah. So that's good news for me.
1: All right. Well, elsewhere in the Americas, Luis Inacio Lula da Silva emerged victorious in Brazil. What does this mean? Well, it means that there's a roadmap for overcoming a strong man, dictatorship, and a personality that was dead set on essentially crumbling and, and cratering whatever last bastion of democracy was available to a people. Now Brazil is not the United States, I don't know if anybody knows that or not, I, I hate to break the news to you if you think that we're one, but there are so many parallels for us to look at, and at the same time, many, many different circumstances on the ground. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens under Lula's next tenure, assuming that, you know, Bolsonaro hasn't uh, just declared military rule while we're recording this and and put him back in prison. But listen, Lula is a, to some people, a problematic figure on the left because he has has at various times chosen to align with uh, hard right interests in Brazil. And, and those hard right interests being different, I think, than than what we would see as the hard right interests in the United States that that were aligned with Donald Trump. He has wooed the support from some of the evangelicals in Brazil as well. He's built a very funky coalition that has brought him back. The bottom line is nostalgia is very powerful. He is a, a an amazing presence, and he is somebody that has cultivated and built. Not just his own personality, but he cultivated a movement and an actual organized party from the ground up. So, you know, I'm not sure how many American observers, you know, understand that he actually built the labor party in Brazil. So it is of his own design. So he's a living icon to the working poor and to the lower classes, but not all of them. So, he is certainly a friend to labor and organized labor and had when he was in office he he had so many anti-poverty programs that were very successful that were then stripped away under bolsonaro what's so fascinating about what is about to happen is that he's coming into into power under very different circumstances so he came to office when things got supercharged in brazil and under him, the economy was the most successful it had ever been, and his popularity was the highest of any sitting public official on planet Earth. So he was he was that popular, I think into into something like the high 80s. That's where he left. He left on top. Afterwards, of course, he was accused of corruption. He was put in jail by Bolsonaro administration. He was cleared of those charges by the Brazil Supreme Court. So I'm not that close to it to understand whether, how much of this was political favors, how much of it was ever true, how much of it was not true, and how much was speculation. So I don't know enough about it to know that. These are the kind of times where uh, I think you, you really miss like a, a Michael Brooks who knew pretty much everything. He was one of the biggest fans of Lula, maybe in American media. And uh, you know so sadly he passed away and we, we don't, I was actually, I actually had a thought about, the, my first thought was about Michael Brooks when when Lula won. And thinking like how wonderful it would be if he was still here because he would just be well he probably would have been in brazil he probably would have been reporting from there and we would have gotten some great very enthusiastic and some very funny first-hand accounts but anyway that being said for our purposes i think what it shows is that there is a roadmap to overcome a strong man dictatorial type fascist who is fully aligned with evangelicals, fully aligned with corporate interests, and had even was able to make a play to gather some support from the lower forgotten classes. So if all of that sounds familiar, you're basically talking about Donald Trump. But when I tell you that in principle, the spoken part of Bolsonaro, the stuff that he said out loud, made Trump look like Biden. I mean, this guy, the things that he said and campaigned on were horrific, things that you could never get away with in the United States. And that's why we have to kind of measure our enthusiasm with with a grain of salt because they're not entirely aligned. The Latin cultures are far more susceptible to strongman type personalities in an office and to surging and lurching from far left to far right than anything that we've ever found in America. So, yes, there's some lessons to be learned, but I always couch that in, you know, just saying that it's 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 not a one-to-one comparison. That being said, the fact that the UK cannot find its footing under the Tories and that the conservative wing in the UK has absolutely destroyed that economy and that country since, from Thatcher forward, should tell us something, and we'll see what happens if labor can ever get its shit together there and be ascendant. We'll see what happens in Brazil. There's other really good news. I mean, in Colombia, you have now a a far-left administration. So South America is not something to sleep on. South America has done more to align economically with China over the past decade, maybe two decades. They have tremendous natural resources still available to them. Hopefully, you'll see Lula stop the absolute evisceration of the Amazon, which continued unabated and in and was even amplified under Bolsonaro. So hopefully there's some better management of, of natural resources that come to play and come to fruition. Hopefully the South American economy withstands the cold that's coming from Europe and maybe the one that we catch and, and send south. If they maintain their ties with China and China can be ascendant, once again, as they come from post-COVID, it's going to be interesting to see. Maybe we wind up in a situation where the United States and Europe kind of go into a momentary decline and a recession and things get a little tight here. But maybe Latin America can, can actually pull through to a greater and stronger degree as their more natural ties with China come to, to benefit them. So lots of interesting stuff going on.
0: Speaking of COVID... I just want to remind everybody, because I think I said it last time at the end, and I mean, we're literally, <laughs> we're far into this now, Just Justin, but we, we had to catch up. It's been a while. Please remember, get your booster. The new booster is specifically the one that was, you know, made for Omicron. We're going to see cases spike in a week after Halloween. That's just what's going to happen. And then hospitalization rates are going to go up, and then... We're going to Thanksgiving and then we're going to Christmas and you know how it goes in the winter. So just don't forget. I know it's easy to live in this new normal and it's okay to, to, to take risks. And I mean, as long as they're calculated, I guess, and you're being as safe as possible. But there are still people out there who we need to protect with our, you know, with our immunity, however much we can get. Don't forget to continue to mask because we're in a situation now where there are no more mask mandates almost anywhere. So, one-way masking is going to be the best way to protect yourself. It's not foolproof. The best thing we could do is all mask, but we all saw how that went. <laughs> so, just remember, you know, N95s they're not in short supply anymore. Double masking is always good. All the same rules apply. We're just we're just used to it now. We can't let it we can't let it get endemic in the way in our behavior because it's people are still dying, and that's that sucks. And, you know, I know I, I said I wanted to be on an upswing, but the, the booster is an upswing. That's great that we have that now. Data's coming in. You'll see stories that say it's not, there's no efficacy and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, we have data that's coming in from actual peer-reviewed scientists with large groups of people that it is proven to be the best right now at preventing and or Mild cases of COVID. So, I have. What do I have? Five? Do I have five? I do. I think I have five. Overall shots. Last month. Last month was five. Oh no. Yeah, I wish. You know. You know, I'd take it every day. <laughs> and flu season's coming. I know. Again, people. I'm good. People, people feel <laughs> some type of way. Well, yes. So
1: you're, stupid.
0: You're you're clear from the flu, maybe? Question we, mark. We. Hopefully. You'll have like two weeks of immunity, and then you know.
1: It was really no bueno. I'm telling you. I know. It's not great.
0: Did you get in a long time too, man, for the flu, or are you just are assuming?
1: No, I'm just assuming actually. Okay. I'm just assuming because it was not a cold, and it wasn't COVID. Yeah. And I was just so it had everything. It added everything else.
0: Yeah. I've also. I mean, it's not great out there right now for especially for people like me who can, and it's most people at this point. But if you, if you can easily fall into a new slump and you know if you have these big trigger points like covid which is a huge trigger point for me like anti-semitism so you know just take care of each other and take care of yourself we're not signing off but i'm just saying like it's it's back we
1: haven't even started
0: no we haven't this is this is preamble show notes
1: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah so all right
1: with that let's get into some general feedback and we heard from our friend jen s what do we got here
0: so jen is going to berlin for, I believe, study abroad or something, but...
1: This is Stifler's mama.
0: Yes, it is. So her request is before February 13th, could we slip in a proper unfucking of Germany? If I get it, you'll focus on the economics, obviously, but a nice core foundation of that country may be good since they're a part of so many of our international trade deals, treaties, etc.
1: So I have UK on the docket before Germany, and my guess is that it would be easier for me to make, though I hate breaking promises to you, do something about the EU. And Jen's on point that it probably would be mostly economic, but that's mostly because the there's just so much interesting stuff happening within the European Union and with the uh, European Central Bank right now. So there, you can't do that without putting Germany at the center of it. So that's my sort of half-hearted promise to put Germany kind of at the center of a much larger discussion about the EU. Uh, and Mark V., who we know is, it's actually Dr. Vonnegut, said, it is mathematically impossible for any version of value-based healthcare delivery to lower the costs or improve the quality of medical care. Now, he sent out a very long message, but basically here's the upshot of it. Quote, we have increased the value of medical care to individual groups of payers, providers, and patients by shifting costs away from that group, but doing so always means that these costs are borne by someone else no matter how well intended, all forms of managed care, tried thus far, have lowered costs for payers and increased the cost of care for patients. Like education, the costs of ignorance or not caring greatly exceed the cost of education and medical care. Simple math tells us that co-payments, deductibles, and other attempts to modify patient and provider behavior with financial penalties and rewards have all lowered the value of the care delivered to patients another way to say that is that patients have been harmed and harming patients is something we have sworn not to do end quote uh, so he's following up on our healthcare series and what i like about this is that he puts it in very simple medical terms in his clothes there that if you are complicit in a system that winds up harming patients then you are complicit in breaking your hippocratic oath Such an interesting statement to make. Good stuff. So thank you, Dr. Vonnegut, for continuing to uh, go back and forth with us.
0: And then Inigo G said the Olympics are coming up and you ought to unfuck it, especially the politics and muddied interests that lead to the destruction of the poor living in cities that host the games.
1: So I know this has been done a lot. I don't have any strong feelings about it one way or the other, other than having seen cities in the United States go through these, like, ridiculous hurdles to go build stadiums that don't get used and all of the temporary economic benefits that don't ever seem to pay out. Plus Mitt Romney was the head of the Olympic committee for so long here. So I just sort of have this like natural, they can go fuck themselves attitude towards it, but maybe it is something that we should be unfucking.
0: Yeah. I know when we talked about when I were, what'd I say? That soccer as in European soccer wasn't as no European football. Our soccer wasn't as corrupt as the Olympics and everyone came for me and we had our, (laughs) our Scottish friend, yeah, I mean, I believe it. I don't, I've never been like, we haven't, we've never were an Olympic family. Like, we didn't really care. You know, it's fun to watch the ice skaters. That's about it. Like, that's what we would do. So, I don't have feelings of it. I did recently go to Lake Placid. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's where my friend got engaged.
1: And how's uh, economic development there 30 years ago? I mean,
0: honestly, it's 40? It's a fairly it is the 80s and, the, oh my and God. the 20s also, I think.
1: Oh, did it go back?
0: Yeah, because Miracle on Ice.
1: Well, you said the twenties. Oh, yeah, back like the twenties
0: or thirties. Like, oh wow. Yeah, because they have two. They have two rinks there. Neat. So, like, we were able to go into the rink that the Miracle on Ice happened, and.
1: Can I say something controversial?
0: Uh, sure.
1: Not related to the Olympics, but sort of related. Okay. Uh, text thread with a couple of my closest friends this week, going through best. Best sports sports movies movies of all time.
0: Mm.
1: And my top three...
0: Remember the Titans, Rudy, and... Fuck that.
1: So number three was Miracle. Okay. Because it's just the perfect little movie. I just think they did it so well. And there's nothing superfluous in that movie at all. It's just right after it. Very formulaic, but I just thought it was really well done. And I think that he, he he was a perfect Herb Brooks. Number two... I actually had Friday Night Lights. Okay. Because it taught me a lot about other parts of this country.
0: Can I guess number one?
1: Yep. You'll never guess it. Ever? Nope. No chance.
0: Well, my my brain went to Field of Dreams for no reason. Just did.
1: Well, because I'm a basic white guy and you're staring at me.
0: And then I was like, but you love boxing, so I was like, Rocky. But, like, I don't think that you love Rocky that much.
1: It was out of my top three.
0: Yeah. And
1: I love it, but it's out of my top three.
0: Yeah. Do you think it's a movie I've heard of?
1: Uh... Maybe only because it's enjoyed a resurgence, but this has been one of my favorites for much longer than its recent resurgence. Before I reveal mine, can you what would what would be in yours?
0: My top three sports movies? Yeah.
1: You're a person <laughs> in the world.
0: Um I'm not I'm not this isn't for dramatic effect, I'm genuinely thinking. Uh sports movies. <laughs> oh is it is your is your top one is it million dollar baby
1: no no and that's that's one you can only watch once did you I, what did you think about that movie
0: i i've i think i've seen parts of it but then recently i read the plot on wikipedia and i was almost as mad as i was at atonement
1: dude it was fucking horrible was like She bit her tongue off
0: and then had her no, leg amputated horrible. and then she died it was horrible She's, i've lived enough i'm like no. i yeah now i have two thanks yep. <laughs> hillary um What's your number one? And then she was
1: so good in it. I'm going to think
0: of mine while we continue.
1: The greatest sports film of all time.
0: Back to school. Rodney Dangerfield. He swims in it.
1: Is Warrior.
0: I don't know what that is.
1: Now, full disclosure on fuckers. I am a boxing purist. I am a boxing enthusiast.
0: You call it that dumb word. You have a dumb phrase. Fugilism. No. There's like a, you're like it's the this, this. the sweet science. Yeah, it's not one. a dumb
1: phrase. It's the sweet science. Whatever. Uh, and I know all of the downsides of it, and I don't want to talk about it. I am a boxing purist. It is my favorite spectator sport, bar none. I do enjoy aspects of MMA, and have a weird sort of history with those type of combat sports. Not myself personally, but just sort of in and around it. Warrior came out before the UFC exploded. And it might be one of the most powerful dramas within a sports movie that has ever been captured. It is a remarkable, remarkable movie. And it also features a young breakout Tom Hardy, whether you like him or you don't like him, even though I think he was the best part of Peaky Blinders. He is exceptional in this film. But the real scene stealer in it was Nick Nolte. Weird. I know. I know. Yeah, I, I think, I think he was nominated for an Academy Award for that role. And it was just this weird, it just came out of nowhere, got a little bit of love and attention, but it's since taken off because the UFC's gotten so big, Tom mm. Hardy got so big, and it's become kind of like, it's it's gone, I think, beyond cult movie, and I think now you can find it on Netflix.
0: Okay. I googled sports movies to jog my memory because obviously... Oh, apparently, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets is a sports fantasy movie, Interesting. and the Tooth Fairy is also one. Okay, my number one for sure is Bring It On. Cheerleading is a sport; it's very much a sport. Okay. You're looking at me like rude.
1: I think that was important to my eldest. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking as I'm looking at it. not as not rude. I'm
0: thinking sure. Um, and I'm looking at these other ones, and you know, I haven't seen a lot of these, but I see um basketballs on here. <laughs> You probably know it was probably your dark time. Trey Parker and Matt Stone from oh South Park. At, I've at, seen clips of it. Yeah, it's. I was like, a, I think the first time I saw it, I was like seven, and I've seen it probably 40 times. I'm sure it's got problems in it, but man, that movie's fucking funny. Dodgeball, too. You're a big fan? Uh, I mean, sure, have I seen it probably 80 times right. just because of life? Right. Yeah, it's not like I'm not going to return to it. Well, I still say if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball? 100%. <laughs> um, and this is one that came to mind when you said sports movie, but I was like, does it count? But it's on this list. Going Fever Pitch. Drew Barrymore and uh, Jimmy Fallon, 2004. The Kissing
1: in, in Boston movie?
0: Kissing in Boston? Don't they
1: wind up like having a big scene on the kiss cam at uh, Fenway?
0: Uh, not. I mean, they're there when the Red Sox win, if that's what you're thinking of. He's like a a diehard Red Sox fan. Mm-hmm. She's a some sort of accountant, and you know mm-hmm. they fall in love, and you know he has to choose between her and the Red Sox, essentially. And it's like if you if you're a if you're a New Yorker, it'll humanize the Red Sox, I think personally. That movie I've seen, mm. I would say two hundred times.
1: You're kidding me.
0: No, most movies I like I've seen a zillion times because I'm a comfort watcher. One time I was when I lived with my parents, I was like in my bedroom. And uh, I heard a song and I texted my mom. And I said, is dad watching Fever Pitch? And she was like, how did you know that? <laughs>
1: I'm going to. So when was it? Just a, just a couple of days ago, uh, made my wife watch Chuckalot.
0: Oh, the uh, Johnny Depp vehicle. Yes. I have seen that also a handful of times. Yes. Weird movie.
1: It's a weird, perfect little movie. That's how I that's how I would. would, would it's a perfect little movie. You know how, like a Christmas story is just a perfect little movie. I right? have
0: no feelings for a Christmas story. I actually think it's stupid. I'm sorry. I know that's oh, I know that's going to like break a lot of people, but oh. I don't enjoy it. I don't get it. I think it's a it's a nostalgia thing for people who celebrate Christmas. See,
1: this is why people hate the Jews. Oh, thanks, see what you just did.
0: Well, maybe if someone made a good Hanukkah movie, <laughs> all we have is fucking eight crazy nights. It's like, thanks, Adam. make us worse. He's trying. <laughs> The girl, the the wife, or I don't know, the main lady in... Juliette Binoche? Yeah, she's in The Staircase, the recreation of the docuseries about Michael Peterson who definitely killed his wife. Oh,
1: is that good, by the way?
0: No, but oh. only because the story... <laughs> it, yes, and I, I mean, okay, The Staircase was like a very early... True crime fascination for people.
1: I've been so tempted to watch it, and I can't pull. I can't pull the trigger whenever I get to it.
0: If you're gonna watch it, watch the the documentary. Like that's how I feel about all these docu series. Because mm-hmm. so I'm like, why am I watching something that could be fake when I could watch the real thing? I feel like you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Unless it's like gonna be page by page accurate, I want to learn, not imagine. But that's me probably being a snob. But whatever. So I had watched i had heard about, like, The Staircase just over time and how it's kind of wild. It's like a wild story. So me and my roommate, I was like, oh, let's watch The Staircase. We were looking for something to watch. The docuseries, or, yeah, it's a docuseries, and they did an initial run, and then they did, like, an update. It's completely one-sided. They're following him around. It's from his perspective, trying to prove his innocence, that he did not kill his wife. And he's just this little fucking worm. He's the worst. And, I mean... It, Colin Firth played him amazingly. Hmm. He got his mannerisms down. I mean, he'll be—he's hotter than that man will ever be. But yeah, so
1: it's a pretty heavy-duty cast for that little thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was Colin Firth, Tony Collette, oh my god, that woman, uh, that your the name you just said, Julie Uh Sophie Turner, who's from Game of Thrones and married to Joe Jonas, Dane DeHaan, I think was it was it Patrick Schwarzenegger? It was someone famous' son. Wow. Yes, and then other people. It's intense. Yeah, and but she's in it, and she plays a, the, one of the documentarians who helped produce the original documentary. So the docu-series is kind of meta because we're watching the documentarians film the documentary, but we're, watch, we're watching the story being filmed. Does that is make sense? Meta? Yeah. So she, she wasn't in the, the actual documentary because she was filming it. Turns out, she was like the editor on it, and she fucking falls in love with him, watching the footage of him about how he didn't kill his wife. But weirdly, his other friend also died in the same way before. It's mm-hmm. and so she plays her, and she's really good. And I was like, "That's the lady from Chocolate." Chocolate. <laughs> I refuse Chocolate. to say it that way. I
1: know I felt weird <laughs> saying it to her, but uh, then I just made a thing about it.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember the soundtrack being like very amazing, flowy, and nice. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I say watch The Staircase, but you're going to be mad. Especially when you get to the owl theory. I don't
1: know what any of that had to do with the Olympics. And Inigo G, you have my apologies. (laughs) Now, Brian B said, hello, all. Thanks for the great shows. I teach macroeconomics at a local university. Awesome. I've used some of your episodes along with some of Econ Talk. I don't know that one. I have to check that out. There's a free market-oriented podcast hosted by Russ Roberts, I'd love to see the two of you interact.
0: He's saying that's what Econ Talk is.
1: Oh, okay. So Russ Roberts Econ Talk. I, I presumably somebody who is a, a supporter and proponent of the free markets.
0: It's funny because I uh, find that out if he's using a podcast that I produce as uh, a resource in macro, and I got a C. You did? <laughs> oh, I almost failed, but I wrote a, an extra kind of paper and I got an A.
1: I also, I think, got a C.
0: But you probably understood it.
1: I was You're probably just so a little delinquent. Hammered. Yeah. That semester. I mean, I really was. That was not good. I just I didn't took it first year and that was stupid.
0: I didn't understand anything, and then I didn't go to the recitations because they were boring and at night. And mm. I was like, who I didn't ask for this? Mm. So there you go, Brian. There you go. Two failures.
1: Oh, here's Bookstore Kim, by the yes. way.
0: So Bookstore Kim went to a screening of a movie called Beyond Zero which is about a company's commitment to sustainability. It's about conscious capitalism, but it's conscious capitalism done well. Okay. Maybe think about an unfucking of the environmental movement, which I know has been done by others, but she would like to see it done for Max's unique historical and economic POV. Um, And then she listed some resources for the movie that I will also link in show notes.
1: I think it's great. Uh, Years ago, I was on the board of an environmental organization, and I quit rather noisily because they put out a policy statement in favor of pipelines and natural gas as a bridge fuel. And I just thought that that was, and now older me understands where that policy document fit into the legislative agenda and priority at the time of the state that we were working in. And so it's, for me, it's a fascination. And I I think that would be a really great idea, Bookstore Kim. So thank you for that. Now, William N said, what's up UNFTR crew? It's the unfucker trucker. I love these. See, I love unfuckers. They always answer the call. Finished listening to the recent show notes on Peter Thiel and heard your question on how us long haul truckers make such long trips. And I believe 99 actually called out the unfucker trucker by name, right? Mm -hmm. And while some of us do have rigs with lumbar seating, okay, with extra cushiony seats, it really just takes a lot of time behind the wheel to build up the stamina to stay behind the wheel for long periods of time. Definitely helps having copious amounts of Mellow Maynard unfucking coffee to drink, and the UNFTR podcast to help the time go by.
0: Well, this will take you through like a whole, a whole cross-country trip. This Boy, episode that was, alone.
1: That was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks for that.
0: So you need to be able to stay behind the wheel for a long time to be able to stay behind the wheel for a long time. That's right. What I'm getting there. And but it's chicken and egg.
1: Yeah, but also make sure you've got. So Mellow Maynard is definitely my favorite blend. By the way, do you Me have too. a favorite?
0: Well, ma- yeah, we get we get Mel Maynard monthly.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah. Because
0: we brew in batches and we just put it in this big vat in our fridge. Oh. Make ice coffee.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a huge fan,
0: so. Well, that's good since it's ours.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Definitely.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, Craig K said, I think I heard someone mention Dan Profit in the Peter Till Show Notes episode. There's an interesting documentary involving him and conservative big money shenanigans in Illinois. Check out New Tier, Tip of the Sphere by Paul Trainer. And I don't know why I read it like that, but there's a, he, he gave us a link and I'll also put that in show notes. Um,
1: it's pronounced Illinois. What'd I say? Illinois. Oh. Um, don't know any I of these. I don't think we, did we mention Dan Prophet? Yes.
0: We? Very briefly, someone wrote in and said, we have our own person here. His name's Dan Prophet. And oh, you were like, I think he's right. a failed politician. That's right.
1: That's right. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Good stuff. Patrick McGee. Brings up an interesting point about unions, and it's definitely something that we should address here. Here we go. As you might recall, I'm a retired teacher. I paid monthly dues to be a member of the local teachers' union. I soon learned that as a member of a teacher's union in a state where it's literally illegal for teachers to strike, I wasn't going to otherwise get much from the union. For example... When my school changed its schedule so that the time I spent with students was increased daily beyond the written union contract, I found the union to be of no help at all. Patrick gives a few more examples here and then says, Should the railway workers decide that the contract presented to them by their union in coordination with their employers and the government does not meet their satisfaction? I believe we may see the true colors of the, quote, pro-union Biden and or the Congress. It will be another PATCO moment, but this time for the Democrats. None of this is a criticism of independent unions such as the one organized by Chris Smalls at Amazon. I hope you find the analysis helpful and place it in your union file. There will be a lot more union work uh, over the years as as we grow together on fuckers. And I think what Patrick is illustrating here is that, like almost everything else we cover, you cannot paint anything with one brush. So just like we don't necessarily believe that Police unions should be a thing, but we believe that teachers' unions should be strengthened and that there shouldn't be any anti-striking or any anti-organization laws throughout the country. It is a nuanced subject, and I appreciate this. Now, we come from a state where union protections for teachers are pretty robust, and we also live in a state where these type of service union pensions are the single biggest obligation that we have. In the state pension fund, and ergo the biggest need for us to raise so much money in taxes. There's always, always multiple sides of the argument. But if we're going to raise money for taxes, I would much rather see it go to a teacher who put in 30, 40 years at a district than to a cop who bangs out after 20 and maybe didn't serve in an area that, you know, was all that challenging. Just saying. I know that may not even be a popular opinion. I also don't think that we should have volunteer fire departments. I think we should have publicly funded fire departments and that they should also have union protections. But anyway, that's just me. Very nuanced. From Ian Bremmer, 99's handing me her phone. Bolsonaro spokesperson, president, quote, will not challenge election loss to Lula. Very welcome news for Brazil's democracy. Americans might take notice. Brilliant.
0: I don't know who this man is, so...
1: Interesting. Ian Bremmer.
0: He's a political scientist, author, teacher at Columbia, columnist at Time, president at Eurasia Group. What's that?
1: Bremmer is a... Oh,
0: you know this man?
1: Bremmer is really, really smart, very accomplished, but middle of the road, one of those mm. kind of New York Times. I, I wouldn't necessarily put him in the same camp as David Brooks, but not my go-to, but certainly a well-respected figure.
0: Yeah, it, was just, it just happened to be on, my, on the feed, so... Thought I'd, uh, you know, real time report. Love that. So last week we redrop. We had an unfucking flashback, which is what I cutely call old episodes. We're dropping again. <laughs> sometimes they have new intros. Sometimes they don't. Like in the case where Max was sick, so we just said, hey, you know, someone might not have heard this. Near death. I'd
1: prefer if you just said near death.
0: Sure. Where Max was being a huge baby, and so we got some feedback. This one's from Grangerous. I bl- I think it's an I, but it could be an L. Don't know. Uh, your repeat of building the climate industrial complex is brilliant and timely there's so much i like about this podcast but there's a level of sophistication to the critique and synthesis of knowledge that's truly inspiring there's genius in this podcast
1: it's one of the nicest messages we've ever received thank you also out on twitter why not bob was a little suspicious of our drop at first with strange bedfellows we'll get into some of that uh, critique
0: did you pick the climate one did you see that it's we it has strange bedfellows in the subhead that i think you did cheekily then cuz you knew strange bedfellows was in the works i definitely
1: did that then but i did not drop that now isn't that funny that is that's hmm, look at that what's the name for that that's like a biased name, right? This sort of is. Meinhof. Meinhoff. Uh, is that what it is? I mean,
0: that's like when you see, when you hear, it, like if you hear a word and then you keep hearing it everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's probably more just like a. Um,
1: I definitely subconsciously probably picked that after seeing it, right? It's,
0: uh, what's the word? Why? I'm not that smart. What's that thing?
1: Again, bigger no. than a bread box. You're you're quacking like a duck with your hand. <laughs> it's a duck. It is.
0: It, it's like it's, I can see the insurance. word. I can see the word it's in my personalized brain. Personalized
1: insurance. It
0: either starts with like a C or an F.
1: Kaka. Doody kaka.
0: No, shh. Sorry.
1: Kaka doodoo?
0: I can't move on until I think of it.
1: I'm gonna. No. So, (laughs)
0: what? No, I need to, because I won't be able to focus. Mm. You don't know what I'm talking about?
1: No, but I can tell you what Wild That Bob said over on Twitter. When I saw the length, I thought, hey, why rebrand a quickie? I get it now. I do wonder what's on board, Max. D. Snyder and John, Mr. Sunshine, on my goddamn shoulders. Denver versus the PMRC. Okro versus Beastman, colluding to keep their bosses away from each other. I'm digging this, strange bedfellows.
0: Synchronicity.
1: Oh, synchronicity. Yeah, that's not at all. C-cah there was a, a in though.
0: I kept thinking the word frequency, and I think that's where the the F- no, like and the, the k- with the sync. Cr- cr-
1: yeah. N- okay.
0: Maybe I have like. Not synesthesia, but where I can see mm-hmm. where it's my brain, but it's wrong. All right. <laughs> so, dyslexia. Uh,
1: J. Hamilton 72, okay, said, quote, that was a great one. History can teach you a lot about today and tomorrow. Cheers. Well, I hope people did enjoy The Strange Bedfellows. It's something that I did have on the board for a very long time as a palate cleanser. I have a number of them planned out that we're just going to drop periodically, kind of when the, the moment strikes. I, so I try to drop things in a folder when I'm reading historical accounts of anything, and I had read the. Oh, now I'm gonna. It's going out of my head. But I think we dropped this in. I've talked about it before. It's one of my favorite political books of all time. It talks about uh, James Garfield. I think we put it in bookshop. I think it might be Destiny of the Republic. And it's all about James Garfield. And I became just kind of this obs- obsessed for a moment in time about him. And that's where I had learned about Chester Arthur. And then saw the stuff about Julius Sand. That I thought that it's just such an interesting little side note of history, that. It's just kind of a neat thing for all of us to know together. So every once in a while, I figure I would drop that in and it would be fun. So I hope you dig it. It's not going to, it shouldn't take the place of anything. Obviously, I'm, I'm struggling to get back on my feet here in terms of uh, fleshing out the episodes going forward. So we'll talk about the schedule when we close this out, if we ever do. But as a palate cleanser, again, I just thought it was on brand for us and, and might be a lot of fun. Now, we did have some people respond to our request for better ways to insult people without veering into woke territory
0: well no we want to be woke quote unquote. we want to what, be woke. Right, woke right. we're using it post ironically now and, we're and taking so it, it back it came
1: <laughs> with me really really wanting to call somebody a sea sucker but recognizing that that's not okay anymore necessarily is it and it also we've gotten criticism before when i keep saying things like you know and they fucked us right in the ass and some people are like hey you know not for nothing but
0: some people like might be enjoyable, right? Yeah,
1: that kind of thing. So, anyway, um, we're looking just for better insults. Uh, so, what do we got?
0: You read them. No, you. I don't like these.
1: Way more fun than you do. I don't want to. Okay, Aaron H said douche nozzle, which I use frequently, by the yes. way. Yes. And this one I really like, douche canoe. <laughs>
0: I've heard that one as well.
1: Douche clown, fart sucker, <laughs> fart liquor, turd burglar, bag of dicks, and fuck stick.
0: Why can I say suck ass and it doesn't gross me out? But fart sucker is disgusting. It's really yeah, it's like, pretty gross. Suck like, ass is funny, but yeah. fart sucker is sick.
1: Like, oh Ew. god!
0: <laughs> now, but
1: but is it okay to say suck a bag of dicks? Like I, I don't know if bag of dicks can stay on there, right?
0: Well, you could just call someone a bag of dicks.
1: You are a bag of dicks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and AK fucker said, "Hey Manny, ninety nine and basic white guy, big fan, first time messenger, love what you do." Just finish your most recent show notes and I have a thought about the woke insult generation. When in need of nebulous derogatory, one can use an insult generating formula. For example, a breakfast food and a body part. Then you can find all sorts of insulting phrases like taint waffle, boiled egg ball sack, perhaps elbow pancake, or foot juice. When used in a sentence, they really round out a thought like, that butt biscuit Friedman really keeps on fucking us over, doesn't he? I do not consent. Of course, since we are sentient stardust, we aren't limited by elementary food anatomy formulae. Keep English weird, trademark. Bring out an odd kitchen utensil as a throne derogatory. What a fucking spoon. Ah, more thoughts on that in a moment. Ladle for brains. Get out of here with that shit muffin tin-ass fool. So I do like all that, but I, I should... Uh, offer fair warning that spoon is not okay because that is a derogatory term for african-americans oh yes
0: i've never heard that never heard that no
1: in the vein of spook not okay or spook spade and spoon so the, those are usually Stop the. Saying
0: th- that.
1: oh i'm just saying like you know if you hear those words so that might hit your ear funny as a young person because they're kind of antiquated and people don't use them do not use those no i've That's heard not i've
0: heard everything except the first one the except utensil spoon? i saying it if it's a bad word i'm not gonna say it okay i want a soul mm-hmm,
1: okay,
0: okay. Right. but
1: yeah. anyway i really appreciate this ak fucker and Aaron h these are these are great um what about a spork Spork? fork? Yeah. Yeah, probably. That's probably okay, right?
0: Have you ever seen a fork that only has three tines?
1: I don't know. No, uh, maybe. I'm I, afraid I, of I them. Know. You are? Mm-hmm. Is there? There's probably a name for that phobia.
0: Fork phobia. Fork. My friends will send me pictures of them. Oh my god. Like when they like if they're out to eat. And really? Like, eh, they're, uh, they're evil. Hold on. Mm. They're not prongs. They're tines. Ew!
1: Well, stop looking it up I'm then if it's you. troubling to you. Yeah, that's not a fork. I mean, what is that?
0: It's is that
1: like an appetizer fork or something. An oyster, oyster fork. Oyster fork. Yeah, you know, grew up near the water. Don't eat oysters. Don't eat clams. Sorry, not sorry. They're so ugly. Matthew H. Peter Thiel. Ooh, let's call
0: people oyster forks.
1: Oyster forks. If they're ugly. Oyster. I, yeah, I feel oyster like my fork. I feel like my New York's gonna come out too much. Oyster fork. That's funny, right? Oyster fork. And yeah. nobody's going to even know what I'm trying to say. Waste a fork. <laughs> what? Do they know what
0: the you're, saying you're saying usually?
1: I, I would like to think so.
0: I don't think so. You don't think so? No.
1: Motherfuckers, do you think I have a like a bad New York accent? No, I'm just kidding. I don't think so. I do when I drink. Uh, Matthew H. said, Peter Thiel, shit-smeared taint. <laughs> you ass. <laughs> Carrie Evans Webb, the best insult for Thiel is bellend. An bellend. annoying or contemptible man.
0: But I'm pretty sure "bellend" doesn't just mean "dick" in Britain. Like, don't you guys say "bellend" as is "dick"?
1: Hmm. Brit fuckers. Do you say "bellend"?
0: I'm pretty. I'm like 99% sure. It's like bollocks. Well, bo- Yeah, bellend bollocks. and bollocks.
1: They also say, as we've spoken Jenny. about, the c word. It just comes out. They just no problem with it over no, there. No, like me. Like you. Cunt. Okay.
0: Well, you Bill. can say this the S word a bunch of times, a, a racist slur, and I can't. Oh, you say. just
1: learned it was the, a slur.
0: I well, I adapt quickly.
1: Bill Schlosst said, "Theo curse shit stain taint."
0: Different people. Oh, so this is a thing. That's a synchronicity. <laughs>
1: this is a thing. Oh, maybe maybe if you look it up, like that. Uh, remember when Dan Savage did that? We talked about that. I think with
0: oh, he changed the word for the for the guy. Yeah, but he's also a bad person. For Rick Santorum. Right, uh, right. Santorum yeah, was, yeah, yeah. and I don't,
1: even, I can't even say what it was. it was. So bad, but look up Rick Santorum in the Urban Dictionary, and uh, Dan Savage in did that in the
0: Urban Dictionary.
1: Pretty
0: great, Yale Urban Dictionary.
1: And Old Turk said, "For your call for insults, toilet liquor. Perhaps not to essentialize, lick my toilet. It needs a cleaning." Hey. Lick my toilet.
0: A lot of duty humor.
1: Yeah, well, of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah, duty hu- humor, always duty funny. Duty humor. Duty humor, <laughs> always funny. Never not. <laughs>
0: what about, like, earwax head?
1: Hey, I got a question for you.
0: Do we get any coffee?
1: Before we get into coffee donations... What? You know, we're in our trifecta razor, right? Mm-hmm. So, we're trying to close in on 420 members, right? Yeah. I've been sick, so I haven't really checked the numbers lately, but... We must be pretty close by now, right?
0: Um, sure. Let's see. See, I
1: knew it. I knew it. We're almost there, yeah. right? We are almost hit our goal?
0: If you read it backwards... I'm so... If you read it backwards, we have 482 members. If you read it forwards, we have 284.
1: No, that can't be right. 284. We started at 258. What are you saying?
0: I'm saying we're not there yet.
1: Were that, we're that far short of our goal?
0: I guess so. It's been a counting error somewhere. Seems like it's someone's fault because they, you know, like decided to take two weeks off, basically. Well, let's
1: look at coffee donations. Zuska K is now a member. See, Zuzka came through, answered the call. Hi, thanks for this educational treasure trove of reason and enlightenment. Hope you hit 420. Sending good love from Humboldt, California.
0: Nice. Seti Snowflake is now a member. Fucking A. There's one thing this country needs more than anything. It's more on fucking. I
1: couldn't agree more. The Green Libertarian Socialist is also now a member. You are worth more to me than $5 a month. I am just in a tenuous financial situation for the moment. Started a couple months ago. Made my way through the entire backlog. Still working on the missing, murdered, indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit episode. Okay, right? you a regular old Trudeau... I know, LGBT, in, 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 you know. One of the parent interviews hit straight to my core as a parent of an eight-year-old girl. Ripped my headphones off, bawling so hard I couldn't catch a breath. My wife thought I was having a stroke because I couldn't speak. I took a couple minutes to get a partial explanation out. Still working on that one shit. I had tears rolling down my face right now. Have not, more they're words not still you working later. on that one shit. Right, they're right, are Still Sorry. working
0: on that one shit, shit. <laughs>
1: fmf foe that's fucking fuck othering and exclusion oh i like that sorry to break the paradigm not saying you get to use it or anything got to use it not saying you got to use it You or
0: got he, max got his fucking glasses and he still can't read
1: no i can't read other people's words only mine make it bigger it's not about that it's about rhythm okay i can only read the the words that i write Fine. It's a hang up. I'm sorry. But thank you for becoming a member. And I'm glad that that episode in particular moved you. It was very powerful. That was a newsbeat drop. Good stuff.
0: Sultan became a member. Hey, Sultan. I feel like they were a member or maybe they've just been a frequent donator. But if you came back, if you upped your membership, thank you.
1: Very grateful. Maja is now a member. The only problem is can't do something else and listen to you. Your podcasts are so fucking complicated and the unfucking with your explanations is brain intensive. Thank you.
0: At I am done underscore CT upgraded their membership and said boosting my support. God
1: damn, that's beautiful.
0: See, so we're getting like you know
1: lots of it. It
0: might be, it might not be a new member, but it, you're getting more money. Isn't that what you want? You
1: no, it's greedy not son the, of a bitch. Oh you
0: greedy, sh- greedy shit stain taint.
1: Wow. All I want to do is have more resources to put into the show. Okay. Mm,
0: yeah, except you just rolled up today in your new Lamborghini.
1: That, did you hear it though the way it goes i thought
0: that was I mean, you just, farting
1: it's just humming mm-hmm. yeah it took the fucking muffler off cool okay
0: is that what pe- do people is that what they do when the car goes like like when it when it sounds like it's gunshots i don't
1: know i Isn't i don't like know what s- they do but that's very annoying what is that on fuckers i'm sure there's people out there that know how to do things it, right
0: it's like when it goes rah, bang yeah.
1: No, no good. <laughs>
0: they do it around my apartment all the time and it's so loud. So loud and they, scary. Some, they drag race all around my apartment. Really? I don't know how. It's one-way streets. And I'm like, are you guys, are you scared? So dangerous. And it's so loud.
1: Paul E. is now a member. Said, love this podcast. Been with you since almost the beginning. You had me at your first intro song by Tom McGovern. I'm always impressed with the content you put out. The trifecta of 99 Manny Faces and Max makes it all better. Keep on meeting people where they are and slowly pulling us back to the left along the way. You got it, Paulie. And thanks for your support.
0: Bruntastic is now a member. Super stoked Hawaii fan from the beginning. Finally supporting financially in the past, supported by turning people on to you. Thank you to Jay from Bottle for sending uh, Bruntastic our way.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: <laughs> I was ad-libbing because it just said mm-hmm. thank you to Jay from Best of the Left, but I was trying to make and it natural. just
1: wanted to like, okay.
0: Right. I turned into something Me. else. Yeah. Trying to
1: read other people's True. words. Now, Tony is also now a member. Thank you for the meaningful work that you all do. You're doing the work of the people. Thank you.
0: Jana is now a member. I really hope I am one, but in a pool of many lifting you up to launch your informative, entertainingly packaged pod into the atmosphere where it can spread far and wide to make a global difference for the better. Love you guys. Snail
1: Powered is now a member. I hope a lot of conservative-minded people start listening because we need a lot more realizing that trickle-down economics is a leaky sewage pipe. Nothing trickles that you want.
0: (laughs) That's funny. And then Maria from Puerto Rico bought five coffees so maria unbelievable always buys coffees and will like be like this one's for this person so i did truncate the message but you can go to like the dashboard to read it all so maria said dear all i've been traveling busy catching up with work and now sick with covid oh no so i haven't been in it might she might be better by now because yeah. this was a little while ago since we've been away but i haven't been in touch i want to tell you know that i'm always listening and appreciative as ever of the excellent podcast and the wonderful community has generated
1: Really awesome stuff. So, yeah, we're on our way. We're we're nowhere close to our goal, but we're on our way. And for all the people that have supported us, we can't thank you enough. If you want to hang with us in social media, please do go to Facebook and find us there and like us there. You can go to the group that was started by Unfuckers themselves, uh, which is curated by Bob Knutson in Wisconsin. That's Unfuckers et al. And I think that's all we have for right now. Just to kind of forecast what's going to happen over the next little bit, I did promise that I was working on something much larger, and I am, and I am extremely excited about it. Uh, And I'm giving it my all now that I'm kind of back into the fold. It probably won't drop this weekend. But that being said, we have a couple of things that are going to drop in between. So look out for those. And we may try to come back with a little more timely episode, uh, Monday morning quarterbacking or Thursday morning quarterbacking the elections after everything. Kind of washes out next week. So that's all I have for now, 99. Anything you want to close out with?
0: No, I think that's it. If we do decide to leave Twitter, <laughs> you'll be the first to know.
1: All right. Thanks, everybody, for your patience and your indulgence. And thanks for sticking through a seven hour version of show notes. Catch you next time.
0: Not even our longest.